Hello, I'm Rabbi David, and welcome to the Rabbi Study. Today, we will be discussing the three weeks, as well as the fasts of Shiva Asr Batamuz and Tisha B'Av. Now, three weeks, it commemorates, it memorializes a very solemn and sad time on the Jewish calendar and in Jewish history. By the, on the time of the Second Temple, this is the period of time when the base Hamikdash, the Temple in Jerusalem, was destroyed. The end of the Jewish revolt. Now, we need to understand this: that this was a very solemn time. The day Tisha B'Av, which is the end of the week period, end of the three weeks commemorates when the, memorialized actually, when the temple was destroyed. Uh, this day, Shiva, the, the, the day that's coming up first, the first fast, Shiva Asurvatamus, its main commemoration, main memorialization, <coughs> has to do, which was the day the Romans breached the walls of Jerusalem during the siege in 70 CE. Tisha B'Av is the day it was destroyed, essentially the three-week battle for Jerusalem. Now it also commemorates the destruction of Second Temple. Shemesh Thomas is the 17th of Thomas. However, the 9th of Thomas, earlier in this month, was the day when the breach of the city by the destruction of the first temple happened. The two events are very, very close together on the calendar. So the, so the mourning over the first temple was incorporated into the second temple period, because both of them have very similar dates for its destruction. So on the ninth of Tambas, the city walls were breached in the first temple, and the second, and the day we fast, was by the one for the second temple. Further today were other tragic things happened in Jewish history. Now, according to Jewish tradition, both first and second temple were destroyed on Tisha B'Av, the ninth of the month of Av. So it so therefore we have this whole period of mourning. There are many fasts on the Jewish year, but this is the this is a period. So the first seventeenth of Tammuz until the ninth of Av, those three weeks. Then there's a second period within that called the nine days. The nine days refers to the days from Rosh Chodesh of until Tisha B'av, where there is additional stages of mourning. Now there are different traditions. Ashkenazim tend to generally have one tradition of how to mourn Svardim. Some do it the same way Ashkenazim do. Some tend to have it a little bit more lenient. However, we mostly discussing Ashkenazim because a significant portion of Svardim do do it that way, so it makes it easier. I'll try to interject at different points explaining where the differences come from. So, the period... Known so therefore Tisha B'Av, which is the upcoming fast, 
the first one is a fast that starts at sunrise until sunset. So from the morning until the evening. So some people wake up early to eat before the fast. However, not everyone does that. You don't have to wake up before the fast, but you cannot break your fast until sunset in the evening. There are special things added to the prayer service, which are things done on generic fast days. There's reading of the Torah. Tisha B'Av has a whole different event, a whole different special service, and we'll get to that. Now, also, because sometimes, for instance, women who are pregnant or nursing who need to eat people, there's a lot of leniencies with Shiva Asr Batamas for those who need to. Sick people don't have to fast, you know, and that, and that, so it provides certain leniencies. It's also a time for special prayers, etc., and a way to try to help. Now, it's a very simple fast. None of the laws are too complicated, as, as it tends to be those of the generic fasting. However, one needs to remember the solemnness of the day and what it represents. And we need to remember that it's also a day where we pray for the God to send us Messiah and redemption in Jerusalem. So all this comes here together. But this is very much an important part of the Jewish memory and of Jewish history. And it's a time where we don't have celebrations. Um, very famously, it's like people ask, how come Jews still do the mourning over the temple, even though it's now by now nearly 2,000 years later? Rechaim Pelajner in the 1800s answered that that the destruction of the temple is still a living event for the Jewish people just because the wooden stones were destroyed. However, what it represents never can leave the Jewish people, and therefore we can never truly be comforted over its destruction. And that people need to understand this, to you know, better understand that its history and importance in the Jewish legacy. And it's why it's still a very important day for many of us, including like one of the famous things that we say to of someone who's mourning a death in the family is may you be comforted amongst the mourners of Zion and Jerusalem. This is what we're talking about. This is the mourning of Zion and Jerusalem. It's trying to understand that this is a very important part within Jewish history. Now, there are many laws regarding the three weeks itself, because after the fast begins the three weeks. So there is a custom that many have to say the prayer of Tikkun Chatzos daily in the afternoon. Some do, some don't. There are many English translations out there. We also do not hold weddings during these three weeks. 
However, according to many, engagement parties with a meal are permitted during the beginning part of the three weeks, but not the nine days, which has additional restrictions. However, there are some who say that one can hold an engagement party, just one without any food or dancing, just to let people know during the nine days, but, but that is a minority opinion. Most people tend to avoid that. Many will tend to avoid it during the whole three weeks to have any form of celebration. So during the three weeks, we also do not listen to music. So many people listen to a cappella music. Back in the days of records and cassettes, there were some rabbis who said that because it was a distorted quality, one could listen to recording. It was an extreme minority opinion. However, that would not hold true today for high-grade digital music that we have. So we don't listen to music. Amongst those things. Now, this is the whole three weeks. The nine days, once again, has additional restrictions. There are some, however, who only don't listen to music for the nine days, not the whole three weeks. That is in some Sephardic communities, but not most. Now, for the second part, called the nine days, we do not eat meat unless it is a religious celebration, such as a prismila or the completion of a tractate of Talmud, we do not have meat. However, there is a custom in some communities that they don't eat meat or drink wine, ex the exception of Shabbos, all the way from the whole three weeks. We also, during this three-week period, don't buy new clothing, do not put on new clothing, because we feel that that's considered a form of celebration. Many people say that undergarments and similar type items don't count because their nature. People also do not cut their hair during the three weeks or trim their beards. Now, there are some who have the custom that say that one can trim the mustache if it would interfere with their ability to eat except during the actual week of Tisha B'Av. Now with the meat beforehand, there are in a significant portion of Sephardic communities, they only would do it the week of Tisha B'Av. Unless Tisha B'Av is in the beginning of the week, then it starts the week before. So for some Sephardic Jews, the whole restrictions on no meat might not last the full nine-day period. Unless they're from those who have the custom of nine days, or even there are some who have the custom of the full three weeks. So for some Sephardic Jews, it would only be be four days, five days. It's a far lesser uh, restriction. I also say that people shouldn't build new construction or other things that brings, uh, you know, brings joy to them or something that's positive. Now the purpose. Now the thing is, is. So therefore, people for the for who don't eat meat during those periods obviously eat. They call parv or dairy. During the nine days, we do not go swimming, unlike the three weeks. Now, there are some who say that if it's an extremely hot day, one can use a pool to cool off. I know from when I was a lifeguard in a Jewish summer camp, we had an over 100 degree day. They had all the campers get into bathing suits, and we ran rotations of them 
15 minutes in the pool to cool down, right? Because it's not swimming for joy, it is for cooling. People also, when they take baths or showers, should not do hot ones to relax, unless one is unable to use cold. The purpose is, is it's not supposed to be for joy. And so we have all those different uh, things. Also, we don't do in the full nine days one, unless they absolutely need to, shouldn't do laundry. And the reason is, is that, you know, laundry, cleaning, new clothing, unless one obviously has to. And obviously if one's dirty or sweaty, particularly because in many parts of the world it's summertime, they should be, they are allowed to take, you know, for cleaning showers. Now additional rules during the three weeks is that, now, if we want to go back a little bit to the fast on the 17th of Thomas, girls over 12 and boys over 13 are required to fast. Now, there are some leniencies in some communities that the girls don't, but extreme minority opinion. However, many say that girl under 12 and a boy under 13 if they are the age to understand what the fasting and everything is about, they should fast for some hours in the morning. So you will find kids who will, at different ages, won't eat till, say, noontime in the afternoon or whatever. For, for a certain age, it's part of getting them ready for when they're older. The last time to eat is approximately 72 minutes before the full sunrise, where tomorrow is still dark outside. And one should be careful not to overstep that time. Now, we also need to understand that that is when it falls on a weekday. But for instance, some years, such as in the year 2022, the fast falls out on Shabbos. So since we don't fast on Shabbos, with the exception of Yom Kippur, it gets pushed off till Sunday. So it's what's called a nidcha. A fast that is a, what's a nidcha has additional leniencies for people who are even feeling the slightest bit unwell if they don't need to, but once you consult their rabbi, it's a much more lenient. Now, now additionally, People on the fast day itself, people shouldn't take showers, people shouldn't bathe. Also, people shouldn't, you know, do things like mouthwash on a fast day, even though they're not swallowing it. So, it's understanding the stringencies about fasting, and people should ask their local rabbi about it, but it's a very standard, it's Tishabov, where the more ornate and larger rules are. Now in the three weeks, as I mentioned earlier, we don't host weddings. And, and we have, you know, as I mentioned about music and engagements. So people are, so there is a whole question about what about events where there's music played at it. If the reason why you're going to the event is not for the music, music is played at it then 
One would be permitted during the first part of the three weeks, but not the nine days. So say someone is at shopping at the mall and they're playing music. You're not there for the music, it's incidental. Now, obviously, one's not buying new clothing, but it's a hypothetical example. Someone's, you know, at an event and they're playing music. So, additionally, there's also a question about can one comb their hair? And most say you can because it's to look neat, it's not cutting. There are some that say one shouldn't if one doesn't have to. But if one has to, and there are those who say that for men they shouldn't, but women should. And once again, these are questions you ask your local Orthodox rabbi, but the general rule is one can brush their hair. Cutting nails during the beginning part of the three weeks is allowed if one needs to. One should try to avoid it. They don't have to. If one needs to cut their nails, they may, but not during the nine days. According to many. And according to, and according to some, not the whole nine days, but just the week of Tisha B'Av. Now, as we said earlier, three weeks swimming is allowed, nine days swimming is not allowed. Say one shouldn't go boating during the nine days, but they should go during the three weeks. Yeah, and, but however, others say that if it's during the nine days, only a boat that's considered a small boat, obviously not taking the ferry to work, but maybe like a canoe or a kayak, something that could be considered a risk. So as we said, so as we understand that. However, many of the restrictions don't apply on Shabbos for, you know, you know, but for well, for certain things that aren't what we call muksa that are prohibited activities on Shabbos, and there's an extreme minority opinion that says one can shave or trim their beard for Shabbos during the three weeks, but not the nine days. It is an extremely rare opinion. There's only one major rabbi who ruled that way, and very few hold of it. Now, what if someone ordered clothing before the nine? Now, we discussed clothing. We said undergarments and stuff are fine, but regular clothing aren't. What if someone ordered clothing before the nine days, and they arrive well, during the three weeks, sorry, before the three weeks, and they arrive during the three weeks? So, well, you can't buy it during the three weeks. If they were purchased before, according to many, depending on the type of clothing they were and how far in advance you ordered it before the three weeks, so it would be permissible to wear it new during the three weeks. However, one would not be allowed during the nine days. And if it requires alterations to be made, then it doesn't matter when it was ordered because it's considered new from the three weeks when the alterations happened. Also, we say that people for non-emergency, aka elective surgeries, when three weeks is permissible, one should not during the nine days. The nine days is a period where we try to be very risk-averse, not to have lawsuits in court, not to do elective surgeries, not to do some, any risky boating. There are many people who don't even fly during that period, even though it's considered generally safe today. The reason is it's considered a very, we call troublesome time 
because of its what it stands for, because it's such a tragic period. Now the nine days, going further into its additional instructions. So it begins when on Rosh Chodesh Av, we do not eat meat or drink wine or grape juice during that period. However, we say someone who has an allergy to dairy and there's a restriction on what they can eat, poultry could be allowed under limited circumstances. However, we say that ch children under a certain age, and some say it's six, some say it's nine, the restrictions don't necessarily apply to. And obviously if a person needs protein intake for whatever medical reasons, and meat is their primary way of doing it, rather than through things like beans or lentils for whatever reason, it would be permitted for medical reasons. They'll say pregnant and nursing women, if they have difficulty in dairy because it's necessary, they could eat meat, but preferably poultry over, say, beef or veal or lamb. Now, there is one way, as I mentioned earlier, if someone makes what's called a siyum, or a su'udas mitzvah, so say we have what we call a pidyon haben ceremony, which is a firstborn male for uh, redemption, redeeming ceremony. It's a very important part of tradition. So there is a customary celebratory feast that would be allowed because it's a su'udas mitzvah. A bris milah would also have a su'udas mitzvah be permitted. Obviously, Shabbos meat is permitted. And if one is making a siyum, because that is a su'udas mitzvah, to celebrate a completion of religious studies. A bar mitzvah ceremony is not a su'udas mitzvah, unless the boy being bar mitzvah completes a amount of Torah that would be enabled for a siyum. The reason is, bar mitzvah ceremony is not, the whole party is not a religious thing. It's a more modern thing. The entire religious thing is, is on the day of the bar mitzvah, the father in synagogue gets up, declares his son an adult, and that as he's no longer a minor, and therefore the father no longer has responsibility from the judgment of heaven for the activities of the son. The son now being able to be part of the congregation traditionally gets an aliyah by the Torah reading, which has over time evolved into the child reading, the young boy now, 13, reading from the Torah. And then usually on, traditionally, the Shabbos of the week in the synagogue, people would have a small party to celebrate. Usually just like cake and alcohol. Over time, that evolved into the modern-day party. So a modern-day party, unless it has a Torah element to it, would not be considered eligible. People don't realize that whole party thing is a fairly modern invention. Now, so the nine days as we see all these uh, additional restrictions. Now, for a siyum, who can it be invited to eat? If one, say, completes a certain amount of uh, Talmud. So his immediate fact, that family could eat. Those who are his close friends. Those who would, anyone who would normally be invited to the person making a siyum or a person's making a wedding or, you know, some other celebration, the kind of people who they would normally invite, if it's someone who they would never invite, 
therefore they would not be eligible to eat meat. Also the staff who work there would be allowed to eat meat because they are considered part of it. So a Jewish waiter or whatever at such an event. Obviously a non-Jewish waiter can eat meat because the religious restrictions have no application to him. Now, some people say that on the exact week of Tish above, that additional restrictions are the nine days, it should only be limited to 10 people outside of the immediate family, but not everyone holds up that restriction. So one should consult their local Orthodox rabbi on how they should proceed. But generally it's accepted. Now, when I was worked in a camp, and it was both when I was a camper in a summer camp for the nine days, we would usually have one large meat meal because some staff members would complete for a seum, and they would make it for the whole camp. And the justification given for that, and it's an old ruling from, I think, the 1920s or 30s, when the first Orthodox Jewish day camps opened up. The oldest one I know of is from the 1925, I believe it opened. Has to do with, anyway, that camp's still around. But that has to do with that since it's a camp event and it's for the whole camp, that if the person was making a seum else or any other time in the summer, the whole camp would have to be involved. Therefore, it's considered an invitation. So now, And not only, so people actually, so there are people who, however, from this, the seventh and eighth of of, the two days before and the eve of uh, Tish above, one should not make a seam because that's considered an immediate preparation period for Tish above. It's again, when also one, and we're getting back to when we mentioned earlier, shower rest showering restrictions, one should Shower with cold and not wood for comfort or for long. Showering should be for cooling off or to clean off dirt. So one could use obviously soap or other things. The purpose of cleaning off dirt. Now if our Shlobish of occurs on Arab Shabbos, since we don't fast on Arab Shabbos, it's pushed off to Sunday, what we call a double nidcha. So when Tisha falls out on Shabbos, it is postponed until Sunday. So the last fat, so the last meal of which we have before the fast would be done at the at the last meal of the Shabbos. So you would actually be able to, on the technically the ninth day, prepare oneself for Shabbos through bathing, etc. So we have those additional things. Now, the whole restrictions do not apply to young children, debating whether it's age six or nine, whether for them they could also bathe or everything. We do not cut hair, though, for children of those younger ages. So we need to understand all that. Now, obviously, if one needs new shoes, that even though that's considered a normally an item which would be considered distinguished enough that one shouldn't buy it new, if one absolutely needs it, one could buy it even during the nine days to be put on. One has no other, and one can buy, say, if one has no suit because something happened and they need a suit. You know, they could buy it on even the nine days, but it's only if there's no other option. So again, the, the rules have a little flexibility, but it really has to be no other option.
And so as we understand, a lot of these have, you know, these leniencies. There's purposes. The rules are meant to be flexible, not inflexible. So one does their laundry before the nine days and only washes it during the nine days if there's absolutely no other option, as we can understand all that. So we see how this works. So we now understand the fast, three weeks, and the nine days. In the next video, we'll be, in the next recording, we'll be getting to the eve of Tishabov and Tishabov, and we will have that up before Tishabov. Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Duffet, and you've been listening to the Rabbi's Study.